Welcome to the Mike Morris Hour and to this new series, episode one of AI, Today and Tomorrow. Please follow and share my Facebook page and or subscribe to my YouTube channel to be notified of new episodes of this series and others. Are you thirsty for answers? In this series of episodes, we will be talking, of course, about AI, artificial intelligence, who some refer to as machine intelligence. And we will explore the pros and cons of this technology and introduce, explain, and understand, along with some concerns of what you may have heard, read, or seen dramatized in books and movies. This episode, being the first in its series, will focus on a short history of present implications as well as describe some of the expectations and fears related to this technology. So let's dive right in here. Interest in AI has dramatically increased recently. Due to advanced levels of coding, hardware-like microprocessors, and storage capable of handling huge amounts of data, there are generally three types of AI. Artificial, narrow intelligence, artificial general intelligence, artificial super intelligence. So in short, there's three narrow, then general, and then super AI. We are presently at narrow intelligence and will be for most of our lives. Companies like IBM, Google, Apple, Microsoft are just a handful of companies worldwide offering both personal and enterprise service offerings labeled as cognitive solutions. Cognitive solutions are AI levels of computing. So from here on end, you will hear the word cognitive, just think artificial intelligence. The journey of cognitive computing in relation to AI is to mimic, meet, or exceed the processing or functional capabilities of the human brain, or simply put, process services in a way humans would do or think. We're all using many services in our daily lives, including Google Search, Google Maps, Google Cloud, AWS, which is Amazon Web Services, uh, Microsoft Azure, etc. Products like Google Assistant and Amazon Alexia are listening to us at home and work and gradually learning what we like to do and what we don't like and improve on it as they provide those services. Just like Hal in the movie 2001, Space Odyssey, or the most recent movie, Her, with Jacqueline Phoenix, the services we are using are getting to know more and more about us each day. That same computer assistant is available via our smartphones, cars, homes, laptops, and workstations. And that same assistant is available via our smartphones, cars, homes, laptops, and workstations. And it'll be many years of building, storing a detailed knowledge of base of information on us in the cloud. It'll be available in the future to gadgets, appliances, and droids not yet invented. And if you listen to my podcast series, Elusive Creatures in Nature, Episode 1, I speak about AI pets and droids possibly replacing the cat and dog. Some people don't like a device knowing everything about them, building a knowledge base of information. But after many years, that same assistant may turn out to be a more of a companion by aiding you in everything from school, work, family life, athletics, entertainment, home maintenance, and giving you a, a serious edge compared to those whom we let her regret not welcoming that technology. Would they or could they ever catch up with us? Remember, this is about humans. So no matter how much we want to fit in with the crowd, we each like different things and tailored to our specific needs. Even though many programmers and developers still use the same old way of cranking out computer code, 
Some say there are methods that can be used to observe humans and our actions of the outside world or even watch a YouTube video. And that information learned from that video can be back-engineered faster, easier, and more efficiently than by manual programming. For example, producing computer code, algorithms, neural networking machines, learning by combining and replicating a mixture of visual computing, visual reality, and computer-aided design to accomplish the things in the real world like, for example, have booster rockets land almost simultaneously. Hmm. Sound familiar? Or provide scientists with a virtual lab-like environment in which to test a very contagious deadly disease to speed up the time it takes to develop a vaccine. Scientists, including world-renowned inventor and scientist Ray Kurzweil, has predicted that we will experience advances in technology exponentially, and humans will not be able to keep up, and that our technology will overtake us and control us. Now, take that in mind, along with what is known as future shock. Future shock is an experience when technology is moving faster than civilization can prepare for. A kid in school who loves tech would say, no way could we uh, slow down or prevent advances in AI technology. But talk to that same kid when he's an adult and he's an IT administrator, he'll tell you differently. Personally, I just can't see humans letting something take control of our lives like that. Even if we do, I think we'll experience periods of stagmentation, simply meaning an intentional or unintentional slowing or pausing or stop of technology from advancing, uh, or prevent it from overwhelming or overtaking people's lives. Stagmentation can be related to, or a combination of many things, economic, global disasters, or fear or concern of not knowing what's coming next. There can be many arguments for and against this, but to maintain focus or interest, I'll give you simply one example relating to human behavior. Most of us enjoy getting on an airplane, a train, a vehicle, bike, rocket, or roller coaster. Some of those we don't even have any physical control over, but many of us are still willing to trust or let the daredevil in us take a chance on going along for the ride. But we know when or how it will end. Let's say, for example, there's a machine, a new machine, you're offered to get into. You've never heard of the inventor or developer. This machine is going to take you to unknown destinations or dimensions at untested speeds, and there's no guarantee you'll ever return. Would you go for a ride? Of course not. Please don't understand me. I love technology. I love new devices. But at least I know where they are going or where they're going to take me. Rapid exponential advances in AI would happen so often and rapid in the future. It's not something anyone would welcome. Ask any IT administrator will tell you, humans don't like change. They don't like changes they can't control or not given time to adapt. It is for this reason I can't see the exponential advances in technology occurring and humans going along for it without a problem. Actually, we've seen minor examples of the stagnation after 9-11. The dot-com era both experienced a stagnation where the lack of security and uncertainty of automated integration crashed the dot-com era. Yes, it failed, but look at today. Look at all the successful companies since then. But it took time for humans to improve, accept, and adopt it. Time that rapidly advances in the future will not allow. 
The first launches of the virtual office in 2000 went nowhere. But now, the cognitive solutions in the cloud have had 20 years to improve in achieving much success. Honestly, ask yourself, do you feel technology has empowered our culture, improved family values, or made it more difficult for family members to strengthen those values? Hmm. Like most of you, I also use Facebook to communicate with family and friends. Back in 2010, my first experiences with Facebook was absolutely horrifying. It was horrifying in tracking my adolescent teenagers. I can seriously say the worst years of my life. And if that happened exponentially, my kids and I may not even be here today to talk about it. We have in many ways already started to experience future shock. Technology is moving so fast we humans have trouble catching up. And many large enterprise and government processes find it next to impossible to keep up. Look at the federal government. Ever try to do anything with the different departments at the Fed level? Or even sometimes even state level? It will be for that reason and justification why many argue that systems will soon need to update or upgrade themselves architecturally, rather than a slow-paced manual upgrade. That's the reason why many of us today choose to use auto-update on our own operating systems, computers, or applications. Some people believe that it is this fork in the road where we may accept the full simulation or adaptation of what soon will be referred to as the singularity. Yes, I know many of you are saying that's many years away, the singularity, or what some call, or even what some may call after that, transhumanism. Whether are two of the same or they're different is something we'll not focus on at this time. The singularity I'm referring to is when AI and biotechnology merge. Yes, merge. Okay, some of us are thinking here, here come the Borg, like the, in Star Trek. You know, those characters or people that walked around with the of a computer box <laughs> in their heads. And we just laugh at that. And here, we're walking around with cell phones, right? And that's what Elon Musk says. He says he thinks we're already Borgs. Okay, some of us are thinking, here come the Borg in Star Trek. You've heard Elon Musk talk about it, how he thinks we're already Borgs with smartphones in our hands instead of being attached to our brains physically like the Borg. Elon is so interested in that possibility that he even started a company called Neuralink, specializing in nanobiological implants connected to the human brain. Many believe that this is just the beginning of what is called transhumanism. Transhumanism is basically an idea that sometime during the singularity, we will be merging our bodies, our conscious minds, and memories to technology. We'll eventually only need technology to continue to exist and won't need physical form. I guess we'll be invisible or an orb or something. I know this is all conjectural, and sometime in the future, of course, if it ever does happen. But a Dr. Stuart Hameroff, or I'm sorry, a consciousness expert, theorizes that in the near future, it may be possible to upload an individual's consciousness. Dr. Hameroff says, without consciousness, basically, there's no meaning or purpose in life. Here's a short word from one of our sponsors. Hello, welcome to Father O'Reilly's Online Public Confessions. This is where I read the email that gets sent to me, asking me the questions about some of the things I need to do as a priest. Let's answer an email here 
I have from a letter from Marvin Bakostein. He says, he says, Father, tell me, how do you give an atheist the last rites? What do you say to them? Boy, Marvin, that's a good question. Because, you know, from time to time, I do come across a fellow or two who's an atheist. And it's my job as a man of the cloth to give him his last rites. So I'll tell you what I do, Marvin. I, I ask them to gently place their hands behind their neck and then slowly raise their legs over their heads. And then I get close and I whisper in their ear to kiss your sorry ass goodbye. You're going straight to hell, you son of a bitch. That's what I tell them, Marvin. Okay. I got time for one last question from a gentleman named Harry Quint. Okay. Harry says, Father, how come nuns and sisters can't give confession? I say, actually, what a coincidence you asked me that, Harry. We are presently running the pilot program, testing this as I speak. We now have Sister Mary Motherfucker in the next room. Let's see how she's doing. Let's listen in, shall we? Could you please just let me? This is... We're all sinners. Okay. I, he was not, he's not going to force you to do You're it. You're sinning right now. No, I'm not, motherfucker. You fucking accuser. Get the fuck out of here, you fucking accuser. Um. You motherfucker. Oh, 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 that doesn't seem like it's doing very well. Oh, saints preserve us. Not good at all. You need to pick me up. Do the teeth, pass the gums. Look out, Tommy, here it comes. May you be in heaven an hour before the devil knows you're dead. Oh, just what I needed. Okay, God bless you all. No more time. And get your asses back to church. And, of course, think about it. What would life be like, I mean, even worth if we had no consciousness? Uh, now let's stop for a moment and think about what many of these scientists are contemplating. They're saying that we will be able to upload or download conscious memories of other people. In other words, you'll be able to upload your own and, uh, of course, download someone else's to mix with your own. That sounds kind of scary. We humans all have some level of prejudices, like religion, uh, politics, culture. How are we to confidently prevent that from being incorporated into our consciousness and memory. Where do those things reside in our mind? The human body is believed to have body parts, including the heart, containing memory cells, just like the human brain has. It has been said that those who try to get back in physical shape do so faster than others who weren't in, never in shape due to muscle memory, referring to memory cells in our muscle tissue. The heart, being a muscle, there are many stories of heart transplant recipients telling documented stories of having memories that came from their donors. In many cases, them having no information about their donor relate information later on that definitely describes their donor. At least one story from one recipient had consistent nightmares so detailed that it led to the arrest of her donor's murderer. Wild stuff, I know. Imagine if we eventually get to the level to store our consciousness and memories. Why would you need 
schools or training when you can just download a particular subject or an entitled person's consciousness, memories. And you can pick that individual, for example, like Elon Musk, let's say he, he downloads heads or uploads heads, I'm sorry. And we can download it or hundreds of geniuses like him. At first, it sounds pretty cool. But not all or most dangerous minds in the world throughout history gave signs or warnings that they were going to do anything evil or lose control or reveal the evils that hide deep in their minds of the human brain waiting for the right moment to expose themselves. Where in the human mind does our evil reside? A short message from one of our sponsors. Hello, everybody. This is your buddy, Queen of Sung Young Guy here, giving you a shout-out on my new restaurant called Wuhan Buffet. That's, yep, it's what's for dinner. We have two new stay-at-home specials for you. Your choice of bat stew with rice or sauce stew with pork. Yes, very delicious. We are located on the corner of Summitawi Ridge and Devwari. So come see us, okay? Again, this is your buddy, cream of some young guy, saying, see you later, alligator. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. We have some alligator stew for you. <laughs> Bye for now. Remember, bats, it's what's for dinner. That actually reminds me of a radio show my father listened to when he was a kid. He used to be called The Shadow. In the beginning, it always started out. Who knows where the evil rests in the hearts of men? The Shadow knows. <laughs> and, of course, he loved listening to that radio show. But, in, in a way, so where does the Democratic, the Republican, the Socialist, the Christian, the Jew, Muslim, where do they reside in the, in the mind? What We experience some people who live a life of very good lives and all of a sudden one day commit a consistent or one day of evil, violent behavior. And even some of them turn out to be things that they we find out they were planning for some time without any close friends, loved ones, knowing that they were planning such a thing. So if you upload someone else's experience and memories, creativity, etc., how do you know you only got the good stuff and not the bad? How do you know if there may be something maybe hidden in there that they didn't reveal yet? Later date to reveal themselves without warning. Quickly, two examples uh, I can refer to, and there's many of them, fortunately. One is Pollard, that guy in Vegas who shot and killed 59 people and injured over 157 people. It's been over three years now, and they still don't know his motive. And he had planned that for some time. And the guy had no history of ill behavior towards anyone. The other examples are those two professors, one in the Midwest and the other on the West Coast, working as college professors, invited this guy over for dinner. They killed him and ate him. Pretty sick, huh? I mean, these are two well-known, prominent professors in two universities I won't even mention. You know, uh, they're the top 10, okay? Midwest and other West Coast working professors, West Coast working professors. I mean, they give a whole new meaning to the phrase, hey, would you like to come over for dinner? You know, I know weird. But the reason I use those examples is because all the individuals included in those cases and hundreds more were highly intelligent, 
highly educated, and never had anything more than a traffic ticket in their past. So if they uploaded their consciousness minds to a network, and you downloaded even part of their conscious memories, would it be possible that the other stuff would come out sometime in you? Or, like a virus, infect the rest of your memories, or the rest of your mind? A nanobot specialist, Robert Fritas, said that in the 2020s to 2030s, we will have human brain computers with bacteria-like replication. Hmm. Many, including Elon Musk, believe that AI should be regulated. When is the key here? If you do too soon, we lose out on all the great advances and many technologies that can help humans from being helping with blind, helping with people with autism, uh, mental disabilities, uh, physical disabilities, all kinds of things. Actually, there have been recommendations for standards to establish at the ISO level and United Nations level for self-regulation of advanced levels of AI. Some say expecting any industry to police or regulate itself is like asking a wolf to guard the hen house. I'm sorry, would you sleep at night knowing the nuclear defense contractors regulated themselves? Then why should AI general to super have no regulation? The first nuclear arms treaty was signed by both the United States and Russia back in 1991. But today, the world has a combined total of 10,000 nuclear weapons. So do you think UN regulation or ISO standards would do any good in stopping the exponential advance in technology? I'm afraid not. Hearing many scientists bragging about how great the future is going to be and our lives are going to be this integration of uh, when, it, when a singularity comes and we'll be merging technology with biology, I don't think that sounds like a great idea myself. Hearing many scientists brag about this, uh, I don't think it sounds a little scary and I think it's not realistic or even practical. I mean, it's, it's, I mean the technology we would be advancing, humans wouldn't. Still 24 hours in a day, still so many uh, weeks to a year, you know, you need sleep, etc. Have we recently been seeing examples of some of the side effects of a culture in shock? Some say recent anarchy and ignorance of some of our youth wanting to destroy historical icons related to the past, regardless of its negative or positive effects on history, is partially related to future shock. That's from universities not including a requirement to study American history. Personally, I believe we should have graduation requirements for high school students to take a U.S. History of Sacrifices test containing personal short stories of the sacrifices of American servicemen and women. Remember Winston Churchill? He said, those who do not remember history are condemned to repeat it. It's ironic and an interesting twist that if we allow technology to take control and prioritize what is considered important and the result produces individuals that lack character, respect, or honor for the sacrifices or experience of others, then AI may sooner or later select us for eradication. These are very interesting subjects of AI that may or may not result in manifesting themselves. But we will explore those areas in more detail in future episodes of AI Today and Tomorrow. So follow and subscribe to my podcast and video channel so you won't miss on what's in store. 
This subject, like most of my podcasts, are interesting and are a point of view. And I'm not always the smartest guy in the room or the pub, especially after last call. So I'd love to hear what you and your friends think. So share this cast with your friends and family, and let's hear what they think. All right? Uh, my next series release will be Aren't We Alone? The Extraterrestrial Question. So thanks for listening. Enjoy the existing technology of today's AI. Let's keep this going on the Mike Morris Hour. Are you thirsty for answers? Goodbye, and God bless you.